Welcome to Wandering Tree Podcast. I am your host, Adoptee Lisa Ann. Take a breath. Yeah, <laughs> that's a deep, that is definitely a deep breath moment, isn't it? I mean, it yeah. really is. Because, because what do you what do? Am, what do I do? If I say yes, you're going to cry in, in public. If I say no, I'm lying. If I, like, I just, I was so caught. Well, my husband, I can't even remember what he said. Welcome. This is uh, host Lisa Ann, and it's the Wandering Tree Podcast. And with us today, we have guest Al. And I am excited, as usual, I'm starting to sound like a broken record about our guest. Uh, And I want to tell a little bit about how we connected. She was a listener. She sent an email, loved it. And it was, uh, it just grabbed me. And then from that point forward, we'd exchanged. I asked her to come on the show. We decided to pick a really good topic. Uh, and we're going to get to that. But uh, I would really love it, Elle, if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about you and welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's see. So I was um, adopted in 1970. I was four days old, went from the hospital straight to my adoptive family. Um, it was... Uh, there were two older sisters already. My parents had uh, had a biological daughter and in and around having her, they struggled with, my adoptive mother struggled with uh, miscarriages and things and then was unable to conceive anymore after. I don't know where she was in the middle of all of that, Michigas, but um, in terms of my sister managing to keep that pregnancy but then she couldn't have any more so two years later they adopted my middle sister and then through a series of events they moved to Germany back and there was all sorts of things that happened so by the time they adopted me it was uh I can't math 1970 so I think (laughs) my um my middle sister is eight years older than I am Oh, I wow. think it is. So what I do know, because I, I can connect things by events, when I was five, my oldest sister graduated from grade 12. So it was like, even if you just think of that in terms of high school students and uh, preschooler, basically, yeah. or a kindergartner, um, I was, I had sisters, but I kind of grew up as an only child, I guess, in a lot of ways, because they went to university and then um <clears throat> my adoptive parents were in ministry they my dad was a pastor and my mom was always involved in women's ministries it was in a denomination called the Christian Missionary Alliance and um uh yeah so there was that aspect as well and um <clears throat> uh very evangelical and um yeah, so I'm sure there were lots of things. Like, I don't actually have a lot of memories from when I was a kid. I mean, these little blips here and there. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure that it was okay, but there was always a part of me that, like, I knew I didn't fit. I had always been told I was adopted. I was special and chosen, and God gave me to them and all that, you know, whatever. Stuff. Um, <laughs> stuff, which stuff. even then made me kind of like, mm, I don't know. Uh, okay, I guess, you know, um, 
I was very close to my maternal grandfather. Uh, and he, at one point, I guess when I was like, Mm, two or three had said to my adoptive parents, you will never get that girl to do anything by force. And they didn't listen. <laughs> that wasn't part of their plan, right? No. Yeah. Oh my God. That you just said that I have often joked. Uh, there's those, like I grew up seventies, eighties, I guess I was in high school in the eighties and there were those, um, uh, the four spiritual law little handouts from the like Kemper's crusade or whatever. And it, I think the first page always said, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And I would always insert my mom's name. That. <laughs> now that's funny. <laughs> that, that's really funny. Cause the whole she reason. Loves you and there's right. a wonderful plan for your life. Anyway. <clears throat> that is I so always, funny. So there was a, you know, there were some good times. We camped. I was learning how to ski, blah, blah. But um, there was still a lot of tension. And I was stubborn. And then I would try to please because I would feel bad for hurting feelings. And then that never really worked either because it didn't feel um it didn't feel genuine somehow like to just give in and give in. And so I would rebel again, but honestly, until I was in my twenties, I thought it had more to do with religion than the fact that I had been relinquished and then adopted into a family that I believe hadn't worked through their infertility grief. And so I was a replacement and I know the more I delve into adoptee land, the more I hear that story. Um, and even to the point where some people seem to be named the name of the lost child or, I don't know, it's, it's interesting. I understand adoptive parents have a lot of grief oftentimes they're working with, but from a, the perspective of the, the child, it, there's some odd dodgy things there, yeah, definitely. especially the older you get, it's kind of tweaks these little things that make you go, um, <laughs> that's odd. Right. And so, yeah. um, <clears throat> yeah, um, I got married, I had kids, I got my bachelor in biblical studies. Um, I ended up staying at home. And I know part of that was a bit of a reaction because partly still thinking it was <clears throat> the difficulty was more around religion than anything else. There was the patriarchy thing. And I just was like, I give up. I can't, I had wanted to go for my master's or whatever. And, and uh, that just wasn't going to be a thing. I just gave up. I'm not, I'm that adopted kid. I'm the one who thinks like, what's, why bother? Why try? I'm not getting it right. So I'll just quit that and I'll quit that. And I'll, <laughs> you know, and, um, but yeah, we had three kids. They're grown, gone now. Um, the oldest just turned 26. The youngest two are twins, a boy and a girl are 22. Um, but I stayed home because uh, my parents were never home. They were always at the church. And I was one of those original latchkey kids. I had the key hanging around my neck when I was six to let myself into the house. I was supposed to be doing piano lessons, but I would sneak bits and pieces of soap operas because <laughs> they were verboten. So <clears throat> um, anyway, that's what happened. And then a few years ago, I did 23andMe and I found first family and things kind of just... 
exploded, I think. And about a year and a half ago, I, I would describe it as I, I broke. I felt like I broke. Well, that's an interesting um, statement. I don't know if you've uh, listened to the podcast that I call, I think it was the breaking of the code and Mm -hmm. utilizing Mm -hmm. um, ancestry and, you know, so you've been there, you've, you know, you did the Wanahakalugi. <laughs> I did. I totally did. And I had to go into the other room because two, the twins still lived here. And they were laughing at me because I'm trying to get enough spit into the thing. And they're laughing. And then I couldn't spit enough because they had me laughing. So I had to go into my room and I could still hear everybody howling out in the living room. And you're like, all I need is just a little yeah. bit. I mean, it's, and, the, and if you haven't done and that, and then fill test, it to the line, fill it to the line, but not with bubbles. I'm like, I can't do it. Right. <laughs> There's so much humor in that. There really is, yeah. right? Yeah. So like, it's, you know, it's what maybe in a tube that's maybe an inch, right? Yeah. It's not yeah. like it's this vial, like you're do- no. donating blood. It's a small little tube, and so yeah. yeah. And no. yet, <laughs> and yet here you were. So, did you have an overwhelming number of immediate connections? I had a first cousin. Wow. Um, so, on my non-identifying information, it gave my original name, and it was Catherine Marie. And I had always assumed, because also part of that was that your first family, uh, part of it is French. And I'm Canadian, so that makes sense. French Canadians, whatever. Also, I was born at St. Paul's Hospital. French people are often Catholic. Okay, so I, you know, putting those little things together. <clears throat> so I had always thought Marie was a middle name. And a first cousin came up with the last name Marie. And I was like, it said first cousin. Or, you know, predicted first cousin. Right, predicted. <clears throat> and then with, and it, and this cousin with the last name Marie, and I just stared at it for I don't know how long, thinking, what are the odds? I was, I was prepared for like third cousins, you know, um, not that. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. And that your middle name is their last name. I, it, it's always very unsettling for me when I hear stories from other adoptees like we really do think we can think of it all or we've heard it all or that's not (laughs) true there's nothing right and I am always surprised by some some small facet yeah wow so that implies that your adoptee parents knew the name of your birth mother no that was not on the on the information though when I met my my birth mother I asked her about that and she got this twinkle in her eye because she knew it was supposed to be non-identifying and she got this twinkle in her eye. She's quite wicked in a great way. And um, she said, I did that on purpose. So she put a little hint in there on purpose. Um, I mean, I don't think she ever expected me to find her or anything like that. She was up at, she was 19. She was up in era where I think she pretty much thought she signed the papers and she's not allowed. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Well, that is, yeah. the, that is the paperwork, right? Sure. I mean, mm-hmm. And uh, but, yeah. But yeah. that even down the road, not allowed to look, not allowed to ask, not a, you know. Um, and so, yeah, but she did, she put that in there on purpose. 
Yeah, that's amazing. Well, yeah. we we decided we were going to talk about mothers today because it's right. a very complicated subject um, in the best of times, and it's even more complicated when you're an adoptee. Yeah. And uh, and I think there's, you know, two ways to to talk about that. We can focus on the adoptee mother and the impact that they had, mm-hmm. and then we can transition into a little bit about mothers in reunion right because they are it's an extremely it really is a complicated subject and it I is don't, i don't really know anybody that i've talked to to date that has not had a complicated situation um, with yeah. their mother right and so yes. by respect i do call my uh, um, adopting mother my mother she did mm-hmm. raise me she mm-hmm. um her and my father and so she deserves that you know mark mm-hmm. and, and For sure. recognition but if you uh if you really want to complicate it i don't know <laughs> i don't know at what point uh i wasn't enough but she certainly mm-hmm. spent a good portion of life making sure that i i understood that and uh, i'll share a story to get us kind of kicked off to mm-hmm. the impact of that right yes so, and I do think, like you mentioned, they were working, your adoptee family was working through loss. And yes. I think she was as well. And then it was more complicated as uh, at a certain point. Mm. But uh, here's a core memory. And it'll, it's unfortunate this is the one I'm going to have of her for a very, very long time. Yeah. So she was diagnosed in 2015 with, uh, 2014, yeah, 2014 with mm-hmm. uh, metastasized uh, cancer, lung to brain. Right. And then she had, a, <clears throat> she had a surgery and a bunch of stuff, and I was taking care of her. And it just so happened to 2015, uh, we were in a restaurant. It was Mother's Day. Mm. And it's myself. I have two brothers. They are actually natural born brothers to her they are her children biological children so i have two brothers are they older or younger uh they are younger sorry okay yeah they're younger so i am the oldest which is Uh even more interesting to kind of this story so i had a good four years of it was only me and i might in that time period uh i might have been the one Mm. (laughs) i might have been good (laughs) enough (laughs) But we were <laughs> we were at this restaurant Mother's Day 2015. My uh, my middle brother is not with us. My younger brother is there and his family and the husband is there and mm-hmm. she's sitting right across the table from me. And my middle brother calls her. It's Mother's Day, whatever. And sure. he he has decided for whatever reason on this Mother's Day at this exact time, knowing we were all out to lunch, that he was going to clean out this like shed. And this shed had <laughs> <laughs> this shed had my grandmother's things in it. And in that oh. there were three sewing machines. And so she, he decides at that moment knowing full well who was at lunch to ask her well what are we going to do with these sewing machines if if you know if my other brother the younger brother doesn't want them i'm going to throw them out so my mom and i know people can't see you and i were yeah (laughs) i'm pretty close to the screen so it's like just kind of envision i'm not even much further away from the screen than i am now yeah and she turns to him and she says to him 
hey, do you want grandma's sewing machines? And he doesn't know what to say, right? He's just like, right. um, no, I don't think so. And she turns to the, her back to her phone. She goes, no, he doesn't want them. So go ahead and throw them out. Like I wasn't even physically there. I'm, I'm no more than 10 feet away from her. I crossed a table. Like it was. <laughs> and you, had you grown up knowing this grandmother? Oh yeah. My grandmother is like my, you know, hero, right? There's no doubt. I was a grandma's girl. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. My grandmother and I were extremely close. It was, wow. very, yeah. My grandmother taught me to sew on those what? sewing machines. Yep. Please tell me you got one. I actually ended up with all three of them because then, oh. you know, the, the <laughs> <laughs> like, hello, there's me over here. Well, because as you know, because it's extremely complicated, right? And so I'm like yeah. sitting there and I'm like, uh, and in my uh -huh. mind, I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I'm taking care of you. I'm mm -hmm. living with you in a hotel. Uh, I'm getting you to all your appointments. I am literally sitting right across from you. How much more visible yeah. can I be or how much yeah. more relevant? So, uh, you know, as as good mm. wounded adults are, <laughs> <laughs> I sat there for a little bit and I touched mm -hmm. my uh, husband. I said, I need, I need out because it was a big yeah. move, right? And I'm like, I need yeah. out. And he knew, right? And my brother knew <laughs> Like yeah. everybody at the table knew about her uh -huh. because my face had to have shown it, right? Oh, of so, course. Uh, I leave. Uh, I go collect myself. I come back yeah. and she goes, so I guess you want the sewing machines? Oh. <laughs> I'm like, sure. That would be great. <laughs> I was like, I just want to get them. Whatever it's going to take to get them, I just want to get them. Sure. So I did get them. <laughs> Oh my word! I just, you know how you're like people can't see. It's like my face. I'm just like, what? but oh, I don't I'm think sorry. that those are un, those types of stories um, that we hear through our adoptee community mm -hmm. are not uncommon, right? No, no, not uncommon at all. No. Which makes that whole mother conversation so difficult. Yeah, yeah, truly, and I think what i have struggled with the past number of years realizing my shift going from i had always thought our tension and our fights because we did fight i was not a pleasant teenager <laughs> it was the 80s i listened to a lot of the cure you know like um one of those new wave kids in school you know um but at the same time like I said, I would cycle through trying to be pleasant and nice because, you know, dad said we need to be nice to your mother. She was always sort of fragile and he treated her that way too, propped her up a lot and encouraged her. And she needed a lot of um, accolades. She needed to sort of be the hero of, of things in the center of things. And I didn't really put that together. I, I thought it was more to do with religion. And now the past number of years realizing it was actually the adoption aspect with religion as the cherry on top. So she could, you know, sort of throw that God Trump card on there. Um, but I, it's become difficult even and trickier because I have a couple of friends who are adoptive moms 
<laughs> so it's like, oh, as I'm going through my journey of reunion and all sorts, I had a situation not entirely unlike yours, actually. And it happened in a restaurant as well. Oh, um, tell. So I'll tell you in a second. I'll tell you. But um, because of that, I've been estranged from them for two years. Um, so what happened was over the years and with me trying to figure out how to be a good daughter, you know, um, I don't consider myself an evangelical or anything like that now, but, um, you know, it's, it's pretty hammered in there to honor your parents, all this sort of stuff. Now I do have my bachelor of biblical studies. I know that means financially, you know, uh, it was about making sure your parents aren't eating cat food in their dotage, not that you have to do everything they say for the rest of your life, just because they're your parents. But there's, there's that lingering guilt and, um, uh, sense of responsibility to make sure you're nice to them and um, kind always. And so if I would have a little bit of a, my mouth can be fairly quick, <laughs> so not necessarily always the best. Um, you know, I would immediately apologize because she would be in tears. Like it was this constant cycle of me being difficult and her crying and me sucking up and whatever. Um now, because my sisters are so much older, I don't, and we never talk about this stuff. I don't know how she was with them when they were kids, but I do know they are generally more compliant. And, and so I don't think they've ever been difficult. <laughs> um, but what happened was after cycles and cycles of this, they were visiting us. We don't live near them. We live about 10 hours away. They're just um, outside of Vancouver, British Columbia, and we're in the in past the interior, closer to Alberta. And um, they came to visit. And it happened to be August, which is when our anniversary is and my husband's birthday. Um, and so dad, in his funny way, was like, we'd like to take you for dinner, though, you know. And so I'm like, well, that would be great. Um, meanwhile, <clears throat> I was already in reunion, but my biological family wanted anonymity. Anonymity? Am I saying <laughs> all of a sudden I'm tongue-tied? Um, to remain they, anonymous to your adoptive that's parents? That's right. That's right. Okay. It wasn't going to be a big blended family thing for them. That was got you. Felt that too. But at the same time, they were very kind to me. They've been wonderful. Um, and uh, But it was more like a thank you very much for having raised her so nicely and you know um but my adoptive mom um she could not let that go she wanted it her way she has always wanted everything her way um she does it in sort of a soft-spoken church lady voice way um but she needs like i said to sort of be the center and she would say things like because I would point out, I can't give you information, but I can share non-identifying things with you. See, how's that? Now, this is non-identifying for you. How you like them apples? Anyway. <laughs> touche, touche. Right? <laughs> Pot, kettle, black. black. Um, so, <laughs> okay, I just have to say I love your laugh. Anyway. And that was so, my snort. <laughs> just put it on the table. That was a true snort. <laughs> Oh, Al got so, me to snort. <laughs> oh, so, my goodness. so I am, um, but I said, you know, I have some 
ancestral photos have been shared. I can share how they even came to Canada. It's really quite, I'm much more Russian than I am French, you know, <clears throat> and, uh, um, but it wasn't ever good enough. It, so she would say things like, what did you say their names were again? I'm like, you are mm. so not tricky. Like, <laughs> I can't tell you that, you know? Anyway, so we're out for um, dinner and she's sort of trying that again. And um, a year or so previously, there'd been a big family gathering on her side for her younger sister's 50th wedding anniversary. And I never really got to know that side of the family. They're lovely, but they weren't churchgoers and we were always at church. So while they're wonderful to hang out with, we just weren't close because we were in church and they were at the lake. And um, I was talking to one of my uncles and uh, who is very uh, wonderful and gave me a big hug, which shocked me because I don't know them very well. But um, <clears throat> I made a joke about always being in church and wanting to be at the cabin with him. And he sort of got serious for a second and said, I always told her it was too much. Um, and I was like, whoa. So I asked him if he would ever sort of talk to me about that. And he said, yeah, he would. And then I chickened out and I never did. Well, then he actually said something to her about mm. that. Um, but sort of got the wording right. He's not a wordsmith, <clears throat> lovely man that he is. So at the restaurant, she all of a sudden says something. She says something like, um, so I was talking to her brother and he told me that you said this. Um, and so I'm just wondering, meanwhile, she's starting to cry and we're out in public. <clears throat> and it is a restaurant owned by my friend <laughs> who's um, very effusive and thinks it's so great that I'm there with my parents and she keeps coming to the table and the server brings free wine and which my parents don't drink. But, um, and, uh, and my adoptive mom says, am I pushy? And I just sat there and <laughs> so I'm sitting beside my husband, the husband, and he reaches under the table and he just he has very large hands and he just wraps his hand around my knee <laughs> like just this like just you know take a breath yeah that's a deep that is definitely a deep breath moment isn't it i mean it yeah. really is because, because what do you what do I, what do i do if i say yes you're gonna cry in in public if i say no i'm lying if i like i just i was so caught well my husband i can't even remember what he said he's very good with words um he sort of diffused it i think he probably said something like well do you feel like you're pushy you know what or is there something on your mind you know and it just sort of dissipated and then we got home and i thought okay i'm going to because they're staying um and i said i'm going I thought I'm going to do something to try to rectify this, which is what I usually did. And um, I have some photos of my maternal grandmother, her wedding photo and things like that. And I can show these to you and maybe this will mm, sort of smooth things over that I'm sharing part of my journey with you. Kind of like and pacifying, right? Just yes. the pacification of the situation. Very much. Yeah. Very, yeah. very much. And so, um, I showed her these pictures. Now, friends who didn't know who these photos were that I first showed them to, who knew of my journey, friends that live in town, had seen these photos and been just like, oh my goodness, I thought at first this was you. So other people had seen them 
and seen the likeness. And um, a lot of it is in, I think, you can see how she's holding herself and her posture. And, and um, <laughs> they said, hmm, I don't see the resemblance. And I, <laughs> it was sort of like you and the sewing machines. I was like, really, really, really? <laughs> Everybody else can see it. Um, even, so the first time my first mom came to visit and our twins were still at home and uh, our son, his coloring is like mine. It's very dark. Um, and my first mom has a brother uh, who's very blonde with green eyes, but she, she, she met him. She walked, you know, we went up to his bedroom cause he didn't know we were, I picked her up and we knocked on the door and he opened the door and she just stood there and looked up at him. He's like six feet tall and she's five foot, well, my height, five, five. <clears throat> she looked up and she went, you look just like, and said her brother's name. Oh, wow. Like the way he stood there, the way he, so even like there's definitely family threads and my adopted parents were just like, hmm, no, can't, no. See do, you, do you suppose that was a little bit of protection of themselves and their feelings? I think so. And I think part of it too was like, I did a lot of this search on my own because I am a private person and I need to process things on my own first. And when they gave me my non-identifying information when I was 18, <clears throat> Um, I had a friend who was living with us at the time um, and we were around the dinner table. I think it was, it was either dinner or breakfast on the weekend, but we're the four of us were sitting at the table and they pulled out this paper and they presented it like a speech. They read it out to me in front of this friend, this <laughs> information I'd never known before. Um, so just clarify for me. Yeah. Your adopted parents. So your yeah. parents yeah. at <clears throat> around 18 yeah. bring out your non-identifying information. Like, yeah. had you said in any conversation prior to that, hey, I'd like to see that tonight? Can I didn't even know it existed. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know they had it, but they just decided I was 18. So that's the, you know, the Magic number age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's the age. And, uh, they pulled it out and did this big presentation and read it out loud. And I remember catching my friend's eye and she was like, <laughs> this is awkward. Like, should I even be here? But she can't leave now. It would be weird. So I think then when I did my search, the fact that I wasn't doing it with them, the fact that because, again, the control issue of wanting to uh, run the narrative particularly my adoptive mom wants to run the narrative right. and um, uh, yeah, then there was that dinner two, well, two and a half years ago, I guess that August and their birthdays are in March. So that March was coming up and I, um, I just felt sick. I knew I had to call or do something for their birthdays and, um, but that whole instance was weighing so heavily. You know, I got through Christmas. We didn't go there or anything, but I got through the Zoom with them and everything for Christmas and their birthdays. And so I sent a letter and 
with presence. And I was very careful to say, I'm not angry. I just realized I was really, really tired. I just exhausted. I couldn't do it anymore. I can't, I can't be who you want me to be. I've never have been able to be who you want me to be. And we are so, I've, I've met adopted people before who actually, you know, uh, their their family is good at such and such and they actually are too like what a fluke but you know there's some similarities there and there is none there are none not in how we look not in um the things we're good at um i'm an artist they're not uh dad was a physics teacher <laughs> before he was a pastor you know so um i wrote a letter and said i'm just tired and i need space and i will contact you again when I feel like I have the strength to do it, I just, I can't do it. And yes, you are pushy and here it is. But because there's that religion card on there, I was like, don't think that I'm being unforgiving or that I've been harboring bitterness. It, it's not that. It's just these are circumstances that inform how I have to have a relationship with you or not now. Like, I'm not angry. I'm just tired and I need space. And so I sent the letter <clears throat> and within the week, so since I was a child, I have struggled with uh, gut issues that make me really sick if I eat certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, and I was hospitalized for a couple of times as a child. Um, they could never figure out what was wrong. I've been tested for celiacs and on and on and nothing ever comes up. <clears throat> um, but also through from my mid-20s through to my mid-40s, I had chronic back pain that was increasing and increasing. Like I could barely walk the dog and come home and and move. Um, And I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm athletic. We live in a ski town. We ski every winter, like every weekend. And, and, um, and I run and I couldn't run. And I sent that letter and my back pain went away and it hasn't been back since. And, And my gut issues are almost gone like I I couldn't eat bread and whatever before and I just have to be a little careful but it's not like it was I'm not curled up in fetal position in pain or you know but but the biggest part was the back pain like it's just it's gone so let's kind of pause there for a minute because I think that there are so many key items to that so you you had the event at dinner yeah um you you have this mentality of I have to be a good person, I have to behave, right? Or I have to fit some image. Yeah. And as adoptees, we don't really know what that image is. We really don't. I mean, and it could be even made up for us, right? I mean, that's the reality. We don't have a reality other than the one we're living, hence lived experience. Yeah. And you decide to write a letter, which I think is, um, you know, a great first step for some people. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and... For, for what I'm taking your, um, your kind of status is, that was a freeing moment for you. Hugely. Right? There was yes. something about that where you were like, I don't have to do this anymore. Yeah. Whatever the reason is. Yeah. And so you're estranged now for, yeah. for a bit. Two years. Yeah. That in in some respects, because it's such a hard topic, right? The mother mm-hmm. conversation is such a hard yeah. topic. Um, it also kind of, you know, I'm uh, I'm kind of sad for her and for you in yeah. a, in a weird way. You know what I mean? Yeah, 
Sure. But at the same time, celebrating the fact that you've gotten past whatever that, yeah. you know, whatever yeah. that burden has been. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I attended a, a, a webinar uh, probably, gosh, a good over a year ago. Mm. And uh, it was uh, through one of the adoptee associations. And uh, Barbara Sumner was on there. She is oh, an yes. author. Okay. Yes. She, <laughs> I was, uh, I would say as, you know, I'm just starting to come out of the fog at that point in time. Mm -hmm. I'm reading, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm doing all this stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, it's stuff, well, I right? I'm, yeah, I'm still doing the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and so I, I'm listening to her and I, uh, I appreciated her book, but I loved her more as yes. a speaker. And she yes. said, as we continue to work through these processes, especially the process of our mothers, one of the things that we maybe could keep in mind, and I'm paraphrasing what she said, yeah. is they were equally the great pretenders. Yes. Right? And so yes. I feel in my situation, when my mom stopped pretending mm. and kind of, and, and I'm okay with it as I'm now I am okay with it. Sure. Right. But I can, I can um, definitely relate to trying to please someone or to mm -hmm. be in, you know, in their good graces or just, uh, just to be loved by her, by my yeah. definition of love. Right. Yeah. But um, I think for her, the freeing moment was when she had my brother. And so in preparation for our discussion, I had a discussion with my younger brother two nights ago and he and I were talking and I said, I just want to let you know, I'm going to talk about her and right. it's not in disrespect. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm a little nervous about it cause I don't, yeah. I really don't want it to come across as I'm un, ungrateful, but cause I'm not mm -hmm. or that I'm bitter, but it's real. And yeah. he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, I, I remember certain things, right? And, oh. and, uh, and he's also her biological child, and he's the youngest. Mm. And so he said, uh, he goes, I don't know what it was, but he was literally like the miracle baby. She would reference him, my middle brother, as mm -hmm. the miracle baby. Because, wow. Right? So everything up to then, she probably was – pretending and grieving and you know mm -hmm. doing all of the motherly things mm -hmm. and then when he was born she didn't have to do that anymore she didn't mm -hmm. have to grieve a baby of her own that yeah. she couldn't have yeah. she didn't have to grieve a loss i mean she mm -hmm. had she had the miracle baby sure <laughs> which is she really right yeah. there yeah. And what's really interesting is that um, we were talking, that's exactly how she used to tell the story. Like, oh, we couldn't have kids. We adopted you. We chose you. We loved you. Blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And then just by some, you know, grace of God, we had your brother. You know, it was just a <laughs> fluke, a fluke. Mm -hmm. And then uh, four years later, she had another surprise baby and that when she was carrying him, mm -hmm. it was a little more difficult pregnancy. And then she was yeah. never, ever to have children again. Okay. So now I come to this part of like where we are in the conversation yeah. and her behavior towards <clears throat> me, her mm -hmm. behavior towards him and her behavior yeah. towards the miracle baby, all different, <laughs> yeah. all different, right? Because the last one, and I thought of this, and I, I, uh, I'm going to ask him, do you think maybe this might have been the reason mm -hmm. that he was her last one, and because he was so difficult, she couldn't have any more? 
right? Oh, like, wow. the, like being pregnant with him caused yeah. a lot of health problems. So then she went yeah. from grieving, miracle baby, another baby, kind of a miracle too, to sure. my but body he can't. Ended, but he, he ended, ended it. He, he ended yeah. it. I mean, so in in a like my <laughs> my um my natural bent isn't toward positive thinking and i think i've heard you say that in some of your conversations with the husband before <laughs> he might have been shushing you that one i was like stop shushing her um <laughs> but immediately my brain goes like as a kid, maybe that's not what mom's trying to say, but as a kid, what my brain would take in is, so I wrecked it. Yeah. So, oh, that was so the miracle. I wrecked it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we were talking, right? Um, <sighs> you know, my dad, and dad's get a, like a different vibe in, you mm -hmm. know, in these conversations. Um, my dad had just a very different perspective and he really did treat all of us pretty much the same and he loved mm -hmm. all of us. Now, sure. I would tell you Miracle Baby uh, would argue that, you know, something entirely different, but it wouldn't be um, quite the, it, it's his lived experience. I'm going to let sure. him live at it, but it wasn't, his, <laughs> uh, <laughs> may not have been as bad as, you know, he said. Right. And yeah. he probably would argue I'm making it out to be worse than it was, but mm -hmm. that's my lived experience. Yeah. And, you know, you can't take away the complication of, of how that is. And I don't, I know what I wanted, right? I know, yeah. you know, the, the fantasy of mother that I wanted mm -hmm. and um, yeah, I'm like, my, my mind does twist a little. Yeah. It twists because you're trying to read the room. Yes. and figure out how to adapt and I'm yeah. really good at that oh me too <laughs> right. I'm so good I throw out that long line and if I see a disappointed look on a face or get a bit of a mm, I don't know vibe I I reel that sucker in super fast <laughs> like, yep. like yeah yep, even like too. about where to go for dinner I'm like no no it's fine What's oh yeah. yeah oh I don't care oh, no, no I don't want that right no. yeah but just think about because we're we're close enough in age that yeah. we're generationally connected and yeah. you think about what were the social norms and how were mothers mm -hmm. viewed and how were they portrayed and then what were the mother-daughter relationships portrayed right yeah. not not quite the same as they are today i don't know if we yeah. we would say lived vicariously but your mother was like mm -hmm. this pristine person she loved love loved her kids she yeah. was always there for her kids doing everything mm -hmm. above and beyond for her kids. Mm -hmm. And then you see that, you see the Brady Bunch, you see, <laughs> you know, uh, Leave It to Beaver. I did watch mm -hmm. that show. You see, you know, the Partridge family, even yes. if, though it was a little, you know, you see. Or oh, Little House on the Prairie, even like with Ma. Oh yeah, and I was a big little house. Oh, oh my god, yes. were you? I read all oh, the books. Huge. Oh yeah, I still have them. <laughs> Me too. Oh my gosh, I think they're yeah. somewhere in this office or on the other side of the wall. I do too. Yeah. I have all the books. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so that you know, that's the image we get. Yeah, and then we receive something totally different. Yeah, and you know, then my my weird brain goes, well, is it because I'm adopted? Did mm. I what did I do wrong? Yeah, what have I not done enough of? Yeah. Um, and unlike you, I was the straight and narrow. Mm -hmm. I was like, literally, my nickname in high school was Goody Two Shoes. Did was you it not? Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. Yep. Wow. Mine wasn't. That's, 
Yeah. <laughs> That's how straight and narrow I was. I did not want to uh, upset the boat. Yeah. Well, no, you don't want to really. I didn't want to either, but it's like I couldn't help myself, which is why I would cycle back to trying to placate. But yeah, I think my middle sister was more like you because she's adopted too, right? And yeah. she she could be called goody two-shoes. I would do that now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I met this adoptee. Yeah. <laughs> her name Stealing is her Ann. name for you. <laughs> And uh, she was called uh, Goody Two Shoes in high yeah, school. Right? That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So really, you're like the dream daughter. No, 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 no. See, now that <laughs> would imply that I was the dream daughter. <laughs> just in terms of that compliance, though. Oh yeah, um, and, but and it but it did not yield what I was looking for. No, now, I would never say she didn't love me. I think she sure. had love for me, but she certainly didn't. Mm. Um, See, she certainly didn't project love yeah. as I know it, right, or yeah. as I had envisioned it. And so yeah. um, I think the husband has shared this on one of our episodes. I'm trying to remember if he, if he did. Like he shared when he met her, mm-hmm. and this was after brain surgery, and she looked him in the eye and she said to him, uh, something to the, what he, oh, make sure she gets her blank together. Like, like, like I'm a mess. <laughs> like and, and I'm like, I look at him, I look at her, I look at him, and I'm like, I, I tap out. I'm tapping yeah. <laughs> yeah. out, right? Yeah. And he later, we joke about wow. it. He's like, of all of the people in your family and extended family, you're like the mm-hmm. most together person that I know, again, because I'm extremely compliant and yes. right. So it just, yeah. just the whole dynamic of, of what that is. So, mm-hmm. so here we are adoptees, we're trying yeah. to do our best to survive. Something's mm-hmm. not right, but we're too young mm-hmm. to figure it out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we go back to now what we know is um, the highly regarded book relative to primal wound. Mm-hmm. Right. And we can kind yeah. of make some of those connections. We can, yeah. uh, we can look at our entire <laughs> existence like you I don't remember much of childhood like someone has to tell me something then I have to go try to recall it yeah I I compartmentalize heavily as well yeah right yeah me too like I have memories that of like playing with friends or certain sleepovers or um but they're very solitary it's just me or me and a friend like I don't remember doing anything with my adopted mom I remember gardening with my dad. Now I'm told that I like to bake with her and things like that, but I have no memory of that. I just remember her being at the church all the time. So that's, that's interesting because the younger brother and I were talking about that too. I said, I don't remember when this happened, but she basically stopped talking to me like, huh? Right. And uh, so my memories of her are not pleasant and I don't mean them to to be that way it's not no. like I'm purposely blocking good memories no. there were good things about her I'm, I'm again sure. I don't want to give any disrespect to her even and no. but yeah I I often wonder though because of and I don't know how you, you have had children I have not yes. so mm-hmm. I know that there is a lot of that in the adoptee community too like yeah. as in not solid staunch not going to happen yeah to I need to have my own. I want to see something of my own blood, you know, yeah. and I think for me, mm-hmm. the relationship I had with her mm-hmm. really 
compounded that desire yeah and where and where i uh, stood on that topic sure and i think mine is the same so um we lived in a city called saskatoon till i was 11 and then moved to um just outside of vancouver when i was 11. dad changed churches and um so those saskatoon years i don't have memories of her uh the British Columbia years, it was a little city called Chilliwack. Um, those years, I have more memories, but they were very fraught. Because I was also, I was 12. Um, I had, I never, I don't know about you, but I didn't ever have um, fantasies about who my mom, my, my, my birth mom, my first mom might be. You know, I didn't have those, oh, I wish she was Joni Mitchell, <laughs> you know, oh, or, or whatever. Or maybe it's the queen. I Like, like I didn't ever have those. Um, but I just knew that I didn't fit. And I knew I was really different. And then the church layer, I was artistic and kind of mouthy. And that doesn't fit, right? Because art is at best sort of a hobby waste of time at, at worst, it's like immoral. <laughs> you know, actors have to kiss people who they're not married to or what, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to paint things, you might have to draw nudes and that's porn. Um, and so I couldn't truly follow those, um, those paths. And she always tried to really channel my creativity into ways that were palatable for her, I think. And so, again, I don't, you know, she sewed me clothes and she did things, but she also tried to force a relationship after all those years of being in the church and things, all of a sudden she'd show up at home. And I was still used to just showing like coming home after school and high school and stuff to, alone. She'd suddenly be there. And I would, like I said, I was not a pleasant teenager. I would look at her and be like, what are you doing here? But, it, <laughs> but, 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 but I wasn't used to her being there, but she would show up and think, well, let's do something together. And I'm like, like what? You, you're going to listen to the, you know, skinny puppy with me or you know, like, you don't even want, like we can't paint her nails because you think nail polish is bad. Like, um, so your interests weren't even the, you had no, no, no interests in right? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And See. so as I got older and I had kids, um, I just decided I wanted to be home so, and I wanted to be a mom. It wasn't about, um, see, here's the thing. Like I referenced some of my friends are adoptive mothers and I don't know, um, like adoptive parents have lots of different um, motivations, I guess. But sometimes I think semantics matter. And if somebody just really, really wants a baby, they want a baby as opposed to I've always wanted to be a mom. Right. Those are two different things. I think so. Right. One is, you know, figuratively over on the left. 
Yeah. And the other one is figuratively over on the right. Yes. That's not a political statement. No. It's just directional. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Actual directions. We have hands that are left and right. Yeah, right. I just want to um, put that out there. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I think that's a great distinction when someone says, oh, I just love babies. I'm like, I, I don't. Babies. Yeah. <laughs> See, and I do. And I'm glad when they can sit up by themselves. And I was excited for preschool. And I thought kindergarten was great. I'm like the only mother not crying, dropping them off, going, yeah, I'm going to Starbucks. Um, I just, I just think sometimes there's a difference. And again, not to be disrespectful for my adoptive mother, but I think she, because she lost babies, she wanted babies. Yeah. It's a lifelong um, adventure. Because then when mine came along, she tried to have my babies. Mm. And there you mean bond with your babies differently do you mean that yeah and well be in their lives like almost taking over so here's another story again not angry it just is a memory that informs how our relationship has to be now which is too bad that it has to be this way but it must um our firstborn was about nine months old and we had a seminar um weekend to go to my husband is a an ordained um He's a reverend, though he's not working as that now, hasn't for years. But um, we were going to some sort of a conference. And so my doctor parents came to look after our son, who is nine months old. First time I left him alone. So we were gone, came back. And also he's the first, like you said, it's the first person who I'm genetically connected to. Plus he looked like me. He was a dead ringer. So um, we came back and they came out to meet us at the car and dad was helping my husband carry suitcases in. And of course I got my baby back and I'm holding him and we're smooching and he had these great cheeks and all of a sudden she put her hands out and sort of clapped them together. It was like, come here, put her hands out. And so he went to her and I just stood there. I was like, I haven't seen him all weekend. And it's the first time I've been away from him. And then you did that. And she looked at me over her shoulder as she walked away. She's like, I just wanted to see. Well, this um, is where my wicked mind comes in. <laughs> like to me, because I'm uh, empathetic, I really um, am more empathetic than I'd like to be. Right. Mm. But I have like the, also the wicked mind. Like my first <laughs> is not just so unnecessary and so hurtful yeah. and yeah. you know it's just not it, it it does no good in the world mm -hmm. so well we both read an article i went and i, I thought yeah. right we talked about what are we going to mm -hmm. talk about and i'm like well maybe there's a good article and i found um an essay it's actually an essay article mm -hmm. and uh Ooh, it's on a on a website. I've done so much research on this website. It's very interesting. I don't know if you did actually research on I the did. website. I did. I clicked back and forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, how did I come across this? Uh, and I really couldn't tell you, but it was uh, it was interesting. It was yeah, right. Yeah. So it's on a website called the Thought Catalog, and um, they actually brand themselves as millennials writing essays, and there's a bunch mm -hmm. of other. Right. And it's topical and um, good luck in searching for. Right. Because it just kind of d dishes up some stuff, which yeah. is, I think is even funnier because I really did want to see if there were any really good, you know, um, mosaics of moms. Yeah. And, because we talk about them so often. Mm -hmm. Mother's Day is coming up and. Yeah. 
And that's a difficult day for many adoptees for many reasons. So anyways, this actually was authored a, a bit ago. I can't I can't exactly tell when, but I know it wasn't just a few days ago. So that's the, <laughs> yeah. and it was 10 things you learned from being raised by a strong mother. And I thought, <laughs> well, that's interesting because I don't view my mother as a strong woman. Yeah. And, that, and again, um, and I thought, well, let's, I don't know if I'm going to go over all 10 of them, but you learn how to be a good mother. So let's flip that, right? Yeah. The, the role model doesn't have to be good for you to learn how to be a good mother. No. Right? Yeah. Like the stereotype that, you know, I mean, sometimes we swing from one extreme to the other, right? Like a very distant mother might create a very helicoptery mother or that sort of thing. So I understand those swings as well. Um, but yeah, no, I think you can also learn by going, hmm, that looked dodgy. I don't mm-hmm. think I want to repeat that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Let's see the other one. This one I really thought was funny um, for me. You learn how to create your own happiness. Duh. (laughs) That's like the best I could come up with. I'm like, well, duh. Well, duh. (laughs) The listeners are going to be like, what were they drinking? Water. Just water. I swear. I swear it's not vodka. Right? So I did. I I was like, that just seems so, um, yeah, yeah, obvious, right? And then the other I thought was, uh, you learn the meaning of unconditional love. And and Mm. that was where I was like, nope, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. And uh, I think that I shared on uh, the, I know the episode, Sorrow and Grief. It was the one where I talked about my uh, birth mother had passed away. Yeah. And I'm still processing that. It's been months. I'm still processing what that means. But until I met her, I really didn't understand mother's unconditional love. No, Right. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's so, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just so needed. It's, it's a very grounding feeling. That unconditional part, I think, I know that this isn't exclusive to adoptive people, but I think we shine a spotlight, like our situation shines a spotlight, then like if you don't feel like you have unconditional love in your biological family who you're attached to and all that, imagine how much more the strings that are attached where we have to be grateful for being saved like pound puppies or you know um you're damned if you do damned if you don't people ask you are you going to search and you say no oh well I wouldn't be able to not search meanwhile the same person if you were to say oh I totally want to search they're like well won't your mom be have hurt feelings or be hurt and you're like well which is it right like there's so many strings even in our families and in our culture on how we're supposed to behave and that unconditional thing. I struggle with that to this day. Like I, I honestly don't know that I've ever felt like I'm unconditionally loved. And this I know would pain my husband. Right. <laughs> I get that. We've been married for 30 years. And he is my champion. And sometimes I still think you'd be better off without me. Right. Yep. Yeah. And I understand logically that makes no sense. And yet, yep. everything has strings. 
I uh, <laughs> I said it. Uh, I said it on the last episode uh, with Emma Stevens. If you have not read her book or listened to her book, The Gathering Place. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. And I read a lot of books, and there are mm-hmm. maybe four or five that I've really resonated with. Hers was one of them. So she gets a plug here again <laughs> for that. Perfect. Right. Uh, but what I learned, uh, you know, in in the context of this adventure and this journey was one of the things that I had internalized for a long time. Mm. And that was the perception, irrational, I say Mm -hmm. it every time, irrational perception, right? I get it. I get it's irrational. Mm -hmm. I get it's frustrating for those that don't understand it. Uh, But, you know, uh, like like you, I wonder one, if I'm good enough. And now Mm -hmm. that's the shush part. (laughs) (laughs) Like, stop shushing her. (laughs) (laughs) That's the shush part. And then the other, you know, the other is I do wake up on a, you know, pretty much everyday basis wondering if this day I'm going to be loved. And that is nothing to do with my family, my husband, my kids, right? I'm I'm a stepmom, uh, Mm -hmm. bonus mom, whatever you want. I'm a mom. Your mom. Yeah. And so, yeah, it has nothing to do with them. Uh, That is something that is just so deeply Mm -hmm. seated. And and it does come from, you know, a lot of those things that we've talked about already this evening. Totally. And, you know, there's that part too, like um, having entered into this adopted person land where you're getting to know people, because I don't know about you, I didn't talk about this with anybody growing up. You know, you're adopted, you're loved and chosen. Now we move on right? Um, But friends where you would sit and actually talk about how you're feeling about it, oh, that never happened. So, you know, being 50 and finding these people, um, I'm almost 52. (laughs) Um, uh, The amount of time some of the people I've gotten to be quite good friends with, do you know Heidi Marble? Um, she, I believe she, pulled just, by the yeah, pulled by yeah. the roots. Yeah. I yeah. started listening she, to her yeah. podcast just yeah. recently. And so, uh, she, yeah. yeah, she and I talked too actually for her podcast because I sent her a poem and cause I do writing. And so we chatted and, and, um, you know, I know she's expressed it in some of her shows and I've heard many other adopted people talk about how they were close to their adoptive mothers. They were close. They were their person. They were the, and then the moment they did a search, the the relationship broke. What is that? But strings attached. Yeah, that's just that you can't reconcile my both and that it's not either or that it is both and and it's complicated. Can we work this out? So even those, I grew up not feeling connected to my adoptive mother and feeling there were lots of strings. But even those that felt connected have found out there were strings seemingly. And I just like that then brings me back to those friends of mine who are adoptive mothers. And I want to be like, please, please don't have strings. I don't know how to say it. I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like, it's just like. Well, let's dive in onto two things, right? Because yeah. I think that you, you've you mentioned a couple of items. One, uh, the community, right? The adoptee community mm-hmm. and how it is growing and it is growing. And I love the voices yes. coming out and, you know, that we're meeting so many different people 
all different types of adoptees, things we couldn't have even imagined. Um, even, you know, before we had these connections, I think our view of adoptee was probably pretty myopic, right? Yeah. And so now, yeah, and so now we're opening that up and we're learning things about our community all the time. And so mm-hmm. there, there is something very settling about that. Yeah. Uh, no different than any other type of a group of, um, you know, or a social group or, you know, yeah. a, a, a an entity of people. Yeah. So that's the positive. I think that is an extremely great positive for the community. And the fact that we're getting more people talking and there are more podcasts Mm -hmm. and there is so much space for, for this. And um, so, yeah, to your point, no, I didn't talk about it a lot. In fact, um, purposefully did not. Right. Right. Because, people can't relate if they haven't had some of the lived experience. They kind of look at you and, and there's just that weirdness. It creates more weirdness. Yes. So I think that's a a great positive. Well, I think we're getting close to wrapping up. And so I want to just kind of um, ask you what if you had two things, two things (laughs) two Uh (laughs) that you want to, uh, to leave with what is, you know, kind of what do you want the listeners to get out of today? Hmm. I think some of what you and I have written back and forth already that like whatever your experience is, you're not alone. You're not. And so if you need to ask questions or if you need space from your adoptive family or like whichever member of it is for me, it's in particular my adoptive mom that automatically includes my adoptive dad because they come as a pair, you know, they're old. Um, But whatever you need to do for your health, whether mental health, physical health, like both of mine improved, you know, um, my mental health still some some days has some some struggles. Um, (laughs) But um, for sure. But the fact that, it can, you know, trauma sits in our bodies. It really does. And uh, I don't know if you've heard Gabor Mate, but um, he's a Canadian doctor who specializes in addictions and trauma. And he wrote a book about, uh, well, plenty, said several books, but the latest one was the, um, When the Body Says No because of traumas. And, you know, the fact that my back pain went away. I'm not saying that it's a cure-all for everything, except that, you know, when you finally make choices for you instead of everybody else, which I think many adoptees do, we're always choosing for others and choosing others over ourselves. Um, Because we came into the world with a job, I think. I think I heard Paul Sunderland say that once, Paul Sunderland, where a baby comes into the world with a job you know, to soothe that, that grieving space for many adoptive parents. And a baby shouldn't have a job, but we've been having that job all our lives. So when you finally choose you, and that's okay. We're allowed to choose us. So I think that's the first thing. You can choose you, and it's good for you to do that, and probably really good for the family around you when you do that, right? Like your own husband or partner or children or whoever. I think the second thing is if any adoptive parents are listening, 
They don't want to hurt feelings. But that grief work really needs to be done so that there aren't strings attached. You know, we're told that adoption is for the child. But I wrote a quote recently, and I think it came out of the UN, where some attaché had said something about adoption has turned from the best interest of the child to the best interest of the adopting parents. And it's complicated because we do grieve things as adults. Things still hurt, but we're the adults, right? Right. It's not up to a child to fill a hole in my heart. It's not my kid. Like I had three of my own biological kids. It's not their job either, right? Like it's not their job to make me feel good about myself. I'm, I'm here for them. I know this might sound a bit dorky, but I'm a huge Alanis fan. Always have. In fact, our oldest, I rocked him to sleep to Jagged Little Pill when he was a baby. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a rock to sleep song. but <laughs> It totally is. Listen to it. It has a wonderful lilt. It's like, anyway, it's got a great lilt. Anyway, <laughs> he's, a, he's a big Alanis fan now. <laughs> Well, of course um, he is. <laughs> oh, my but, um, oh uh, just some of her songs have been so incredible. I'm like, how was she in my head when she wrote those lyrics? <laughs> oh. And her latest song about her kids, that my mission is to keep the light in your eyes ablaze, is about her children. And the first time I heard that song, I was like, yes. My mission is to keep the light in your eyes ablaze. Like it's it's the parents' job, not the kids' job to keep the light in their parents' eyes ablaze. And so adoptive parents just, you know, the grieving is real, the pain is real. And now it's about that child without strings. Yeah. And I think that's a great place to to kind of just end on. It's just such a profound thought to to say that because it is the core of what probably has drove a good many adoptees to feel the way they do. Um, And if that grief has not been dealt with, no different than any other grief, sure, it carries forward. It may be subconscious, but it's there. Mm -hmm. And then it it shapes all of the rest of generations, not just you and I, Mm -hmm. but then the next one and potentially the next one and and so forth. Yeah. Well, I am so glad that you reached out, sent the, sent the uh, email. <laughs> it has definitely, um, you know, been a great exchange. You are welcome mm-hmm. here anytime. So we'll have to figure oh. out when you're coming back. It's oh, not like a not. Right? Um, and maybe you get to make me snort again. I can't believe that happened. I'm but the it first did. one to make you snort. Oh, yes. She's like, like a, <laughs> oh, I, I win. <laughs> She's like, finally, I win at something. So yeah, totally, I did something good. I'm, I'm glad I could do that for you. I am here for you. You're so compliant. <laughs> oh, and there we go. Well, thank yeah. you again, and uh, we look forward to having you back. Would love it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for sharing your time with us today. Do you have the desire of coming onto the show and sharing your lived experience? If so, please contact us via our website, wanderingtreeadoptee.com.